If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 35. So we are uh, continuing our Advent series, which is called Joy to the World, looking at various ways in which Christ has come to bring joy to the world. And we began to look at Isaiah 35 last week, uh, joy in redemption. So the theme of Isaiah 35 is the joy of the redeemed. And we looked at the uh, two uh, specific works of redemption last week in Isaiah 35, verses 1 through 4. And this morning we're looking at the, the next part of Isaiah 35, the last part, verses 5 through 10. And so we're looking at more of these works of redemption that God has given us in Christ. We'll also be reading uh, from Luke chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, if you want to follow along, you can go to Isaiah 35 and Luke chapter 2. Otherwise, uh, the words will be projected on the screens as well. And before we uh, read God's word, I invite you to bow as we ask for the Spirit's anointing on his word this morning. Let's pray together. Lord God, how good it is to be gathered in your house to worship. And how good it is, O Lord, to come together under the authority of your word and to hear and to receive what your word says to us on this Christmas morning. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit as we open up your word together. I pray, O oh Lord, that you would lead us into the joy that you would have for us, the joy that comes in Christ as our Redeemer. Lord, give us ears to hear, and give us eyes to see, and give us hearts to receive the deep truths of your word, that they may be planted deep in us, bearing fruit of transformation for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you are able, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's word this morning. We'll start with Isaiah 35. And like I said, the focus will be on verses 5 through 10, but I am going to read verses 1 through 10 just to give a refresher of what we looked at last week as well. The prophet Isaiah says, The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution, he will come to save you. And then starting here, verses 5 through 10 is the focus of the message this morning. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer. And the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool and the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. 
Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. And then from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. You may be seated. Well, since it is uh, Christmas Day, and we've been focusing on the theme of joy, I thought I would begin this morning on a bit of a lighthearted note, and so I had found a couple of uh, Christmas comics that... uh, at least made me laugh or smile, so I thought I would share them with you this morning as well. The first is about the real reason why the night of Christ's birth was a silent night. Feel free to laugh. I I did. The second is about uh, the three wiser women who gave better gifts than the three wise men. And the last one, imagine how hard it might have been to be parents in the days of Mary and Joseph, knowing that your kid just could never measure up to theirs. So for the past several weeks, we've been looking at various ways in which Christ has come to bring joy to the world. And like I mentioned, as we began our study of Isaiah 35 last week, we saw that he came to bring joy in redemption. Isaiah 35 paints a picture of the joy of the redeemed. And what it does uh, as, we, as that chapter unfolds is Isaiah describes five specific works of redemption. And so we looked at the first two last week in verses 1 through 4, which is number one, that God brings the redeemed from death to life. And then number two, that God drives out the fears of the redeemed. And so now this morning, as we continue our study of Isaiah 35, looking at verses 5 through 10, we see three more specific works of redemption. And as we see, we'll see how all of these works of redemption, again, find their fulfillment in Christ. And they give us reason for joy. And so the first, which is really the third, but the the first in this next set of verses, the first work of redemption is that God provides healing for the redeemed. Isaiah says, then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. The the picture that Isaiah paints in in these verses is a picture of of complete and, and total wellness and healing. And this is part of the joy of the redeemed. And we see this work of healing fulfilled in Christ, don't we? When Jesus began his ministry on earth, Matthew says in his gospel that Jesus went throughout Galilee, 
proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. This is part of the the joy that comes in redemption. And and we who live in such a a broken world where there's so much sickness and disease and ailments, the the, the joy and the hope of, of total healing is ours in Christ. And again and again, we see that throughout the Gospels, how Jesus brought healing into the brokenness of disease. This is a major part of his, of his work and his life and his ministry, coming to, to reverse the curse of, of, of sin that has expressed itself in sickness and disease. And so we see, just in the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, a leprous man is cleansed. A paralyzed servant is restored. A a bleeding woman who had been bleeding for 12 years is healed. A dead girl is raised to life. Two blind men are made to see. A mute man is made to speak. And all of this, and this is only in the first few chapters of the first gospel. Isaiah spoke of the joy of the redeemed that would take place in the messianic age of healing and the gospels make it clear that with the birth of Christ that messianic age of healing has begun and this is why when when John asked if Jesus was the long expected messiah to come or if he should be looking for someone else Jesus said, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. In other words, look around you, John. Look at all the works of healing that I have done in the short amount of time that I have been here. The days prophesied by Isaiah have dawned. The messianic age has begun. Isaiah pointed to a day when the lame will leap like a deer, as we read in Isaiah 35, verse 6. And in the name of Jesus, Peter spoke healing to a man who had been lame from birth. And Luke records that the lame man jumped to his feet and went into the temple courts, walking and leaping and praising God. This is a concrete, direct fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, that in the name of Jesus, the lame leaping like deer. We have reason for joy in Christ because God provides healing for the redeemed. And many of us know the pain and the frustration of sickness and disease. I was reflecting and looking back and just thinking about the life of our congregation over the last couple of years, and and we've been hit really hard by a lot of different things in a lot of different ways with with health problems and health issues, especially over the course of the last couple of years. And so it feels, as I think, I look back on on the the last couple of years in the life of our church, it feels like many of us are kind of just sort of limping through life with aches and pains and bodies that fall short of the wellness that we desire. And we're grieving devastating diagnoses, We're battling cancers and heart problems and autoimmune diseases. We're learning how to cope and how to live with cognitive impairments and with debilitating conditions and and, and burdensome ailments. In the words of Annie Dillard, we are bumbling, pitted, and scarred and broken through a warped and frayed land. But in the midst of of all of this 
this brokenness and disease, even for us in the life of this, this church here at Covenant, we have reason for joy because even now God is at work providing healing for the redeemed. And for some, he may provide physical healing and wellness in this lifetime. We need to know that God is still sovereign over health and disease and all these things. God is still the great physician who is able to, to bring healing even into the most unlikely situations. God still does that. Though the truth is that often that is, that it is typically more the exception than it is the rule. But God is able to do that. And for many, for, for, for some, we will experience that healing and that wellness even in this lifetime. But for many others, he will have us tarry with crippling limitations and debilitating conditions until our healing is fully realized in the age to come. But whether it comes now or later, the final word for the redeemed is a word of complete and total healing. Johnny Erickson Tata uh, speaks of this hope of healing. If you're not familiar with her story, she was 17 years old when a diving accident left her a quadriplegic, and she's been confined to a wheelchair ever since, which is now has been 55 years. And she speaks and she writes often about the hope of redemption. And so in one of her many writings, she has said, I, can still, I still can hardly believe it that I, with shriveled, bent fingers, atrophied muscles, gnarled knees, and no feeling from the shoulders down, will one day have a new body, light, bright, and clothed with righteousness, powerful and dazzling. Only, she says, in the gospel of Christ do hurting people find such incredible hope. As the redeemed in Christ, we live in the joy of that hope for healing. Lori and I are experiencing that a little bit uh, right now. Lori's grandma was taken to the hospital recently, so if you can think of it, be praying for her and for Lori's family over the next, uh, next weeks. Uh, she was taken to the hospital, and she was told that her body is, is full of cancer. And the doctor gave her anywhere from a couple of weeks to a couple of months to live. And there is this deep sadness in the thought of her dying, this woman who has in so many ways been the glue that just kind of holds the whole family together. And there's sadness in imagining a world without her in it. And our trips to Minnesota will be emptier without her warm smile and her knack for telling stories. But underneath that, that sadness is this deep and unshakable joy that comes through the hope of redemption in Christ. For we know that she is a believer, that she walks with the Lord, and we know that beyond the pain of cancer and death, there is this unbridled joy of healing. We have reason for joy because Christ has come to bring healing to the redeemed. The second thing that we see in these verses, the second work of redemption, is that God provides a habitation of holiness for the redeemed. So the idea here in Isaiah 35 is not so much that God, that God makes the redeemed holy, which is certainly true as well, but the focus here in Isaiah 35 is that God provides a holy habitation for his people. He provides an existence for his people that is free from, from all wickedness and impurity. Isaiah says, and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. 
The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. Throughout the Old Testament, and especially in the Psalms, we see a longing in the people of God to live in a land that is, that is free from evil and free from wickedness. And so the psalmist says in Psalm 10, in his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak. His mouth is full of lies and threats. His victims are crushed. Arise, O Lord, lift up your hand, O God. Break the arm of the wicked man. Call the evildoer to account for his wickedness. And again in Psalm 14, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. They devour my people as though eating bread. They never call on the Lord. And oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. In Psalm 140, the psalmist says, rescue me, O Lord, from evildoers. Keep me safe from the hands of the wicked who devise ways to trip my feet. May burning coals fall on them. May slanders not be established in the land. May disaster hunt down the wicked. Surely the righteous will praise your name and the upright will live in your presence. The prophet Habakkuk cried out to God for deliverance from the impure and the unjust. And when God revealed to him his plan to to punish the people of Judah through the instrument of the wicked Babylonians, Habakkuk, cried out to God in complaint, and he said, he said to God, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? So all throughout the Old Testament, there is this longing to live in a land unstained by evil, a land free from corruption and wickedness. And we still share in that longing. I was uh, listening to the radio the other day, and in the news segment, I heard a story about a, a woman. This was just a few weeks ago. I think it was over Thanksgiving weekend. A woman who was driving uh, her, a scooter, and she crashed her scooter and was lying injured and in need of help in the ditch. And she's lying there, she's injured, she's hurt, and she can't do anything to help herself. And, and so a red pickup truck comes by and sees her and pulls over and gets out. But instead of helping her, he stole her scooter. And so he, uh, he went up to her and he said, well, I guess you won't be needing this anymore. And he picked up her scooter, left her lying in the ditch, picked up the scooter, put it in the back of his truck, and drove off. And it left me, it was just another reminder that the world in which we live is corrupted and broken. And it left me longing for a world that is free from these kinds of evils. And Isaiah gives us a glimpse of it here in our text. In Isaiah 35, he describes a world with a highway called the way of holiness. And he says, the unclean will not journey on it, Wicked fools will not go about on it. And fools there is not the sort of the, the simpleton, those who are ignorant. It is the, those who reject God. So what, what Isaiah is saying is this is a picture where there is nothing, no one unclean. There is no hint of evil. There is no wickedness. There are, is nobody who does not honor and follow the Lord and walk in his way. What a beautiful world that will be. And this, too, finds its fulfillment in Christ. For John was given a vision of the final chapter of redemption. 
And he saw the existence of the redeemed as an existence of pure holiness and glory, free from all corruption and impurity. John says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and there was no longer any sea, and the sea representing all that is evil, the chaos, all that is opposed to God and his people. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And John goes on to say that God himself will dwell among his people, and the only people living in the land will be those who have been made holy in Christ. For John says those who are victorious, those who are in Christ, will inherit all of this. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. And John goes on to describe this existence as an existence of pure glory and purity. He says the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. And he says the nations will walk by its light. Imagine that. Imagine a world in which the nations, all the nations are walking in the light of the Lord, walking by the light of his truth, walking by the light of his word, actually living in integrity and, and on, leading in integrity and honesty without corruption, without deceit, without lies. The nations will walk by its light. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. This is Isaiah's prophecy fulfilled in Christ. This is the way of holiness. This is the land of the redeemed. As we sing, no more let sins or sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. We have reason for joy because God provides a habitation of holiness for the redeemed. And then finally, the last work of redemption that we see in these verses is that God provides peace for the redeemed. Isaiah says, no lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. The lion and the ravenous beast are symbols of dangerous threats and enemies of God's people. These uh, symbols are described in more detail in other books of the Bible. We see them in, in Daniel and Revelation, where we see them as evil empires and world powers that are opposed to God and his people. And Isaiah says here that the redeemed can look forward to an existence, an existence in which all of these beasts are gone. No more evil empires, no more opposition, no more violence and persecution, no more danger, no more enemies. I had a, a strange dream a few nights ago, and... Uh, in my dream, Lori and I and the kids were at our family cabin up in northern Minnesota, and uh, this cabin is on a lake, and, and it's real close to the lake. And, and in my dream, I saw a family of bears in the shallow water of the lake, kind of close to where the, the dock is and things like that. And so I, I was uh, standing in, uh, in the living room, kind of looking out the picture window at this family of bears. And these weren't, these weren't the, the, the black bears that we typically see up in northern Minnesota. These were, these were big grizzly bears, 
which is out of place for that location, but that's what, it's a dream. Anything can happen. So grizzly bears in Minnesota, and I was standing in the living room looking out the picture window at this family of bears, and I, so I called to my family. I said, bears, bears, come see the bears. And so Lori and the kids come from all different parts of the cabin. They come down to the living room to uh, look out the picture window at, at these bears. And then in my dream, it just the, the, the scene cut instantly from that scene to a new scene, just kind of like in a, in a movie. And in this new scene, Lori was wearing her little blue shower cap, and she was sitting in the shallow water with the bears, and she was splashing water on them trying to play with them. <laughs> yeah, it was a really, like I said, it was a weird dream. And as you might imagine, you know, grizzly bears, they were not in really in any, any mood for playing. And, uh, and so in my dream, I, I saw one of the, the adult bears uh, was poised to attack Lori. You know, so it was standing on its hind legs with its massive claws, and it opened its, its mouth with its giant teeth, and it was ready to devour her. And so in my dream, I did the only thing I could think to do. I, I was in the cabin. I was quite a ways away. So I opened the door, and I, I went running out there and screaming at these bears to, to try to chase them away. But it was one of those dreams where, where you try to scream, but nothing comes out, right? You've had those kinds of dreams before. So I'm trying to scream to chase these bears away, and nothing was coming out. It was like my voice was paralyzed. No matter how, how hard I tried, nothing was coming out. And then finally... My voice was able to break free, and I yelled out, but it apparently came out in real life like a creepy Chewbacca-like moan, <laughs> which only startled Lori awake. And so in an instant, I went from being the hero in my dream, who, you know, saving her, to this, this creepy schmuck who just woke her up. <laughs> but the dream was just another reminder that there are threatening forces in the world. There are ravenous beasts that threaten to devour God's people. It was true in Isaiah's day, and it's still true today. But Isaiah paints a picture of a day to come when there will be no more beasts. No lion will be there, Isaiah says, nor any ravenous beast. No enemies that threaten violence against the redeemed. And again, the picture of a life free from danger and free from enemies is fulfilled in Christ. The Apostle John had a vision in which he saw the great enemies of God's people as a great, what? A great beast coming out of the sea. Revelation 13. It was a beast with seven heads and ten horns, a symbol of, of uh, authority that had been given to it, a symbol of power. And it had feet like the feet of a bear. And it had a mouth like a lion. And John says of this beast that it was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. Notice, though, given power by whom? Does not have authority and power in itself. Given power from the one who has power over all things from God himself. But it was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. And all inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. These ravenous beasts, these, these evil empires, evil world powers will gain a following. And people will be seduced by them and will go along with them and will set their sights against the people of God. 
But as John's vision unfolds, he sees Christ as this warrior king, this rider on a white horse. And John says, Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse who is Christ and his army. But the beast was captured and thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. And just like that, it's over. And so John sees in his vision a picture of perfect peace for the redeemed, a new heaven and a new earth in which there, he says there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And in the new order, there's nothing but perfect harmony and peace and perfect shalom. This is the great fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, a world fully redeemed in Christ. A world in which the redeemed live in perfect peace without beastly enemies and empires. A world free from danger. And this is what the heavenly host sang about when Christ was born. Luke says, A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And we, we, we sing about that. We read it in cards. Oh, peace is this nice little, you know, serene kind of concept. That, that's, not what, that's not what the angels were singing. It was this, this deep and abiding, this, 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 uh, this massive, encompassing, re redemptive peace. Christ came to bring peace to the redeemed. And what that means is that he came to restore all that was broken. He came to reconcile sinners to a holy God. And out of that reconciliation, he would create a whole new existence for the redeemed in which they dwell in perfect harmony with God and with each other and with all of creation. That's what the angels were singing. Something so much more than just a, this nice little concept of a peaceful existence. No, this, 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 is, this is evil conquered. This is, this is evil empires undone. This is the beast thrown into the, the lake of burning sulfur. This is, this is holistic, all-encompassing wellness. As Paul said to the Colossians, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Friends, we have reason for joy because God provides peace for the redeemed in Christ. And so we see in Isaiah 35 this deep and unshakable joy of the redeemed. It is a joy that culminates in that chapter in, in a glorious picture in the last verse of the redeemed streaming to Zion with unbridled rejoicing. It's this beautiful picture of all God's people just streaming to the heavenly city, streaming to Zion with, with, with joy that cannot be contained. Isaiah says, they will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. And the good news for us this Christmas day is that this joy can be ours. For Christ has been born. He has come as the light that shines in the darkness. As we have seen throughout Isaiah 35, he has come as the living bread that, that brings the redeemed from death to life. He's come as the good shepherd to drive out fear. 
He's come as the great physician to provide healing. He's come as the holy one to provide a habitation of holiness. And he's come as the prince of peace to provide peace. There is nothing we need that cannot be found in Christ. He fulfills our deepest desires. He satisfies our deepest longings. And he has already written our story of redemption, which ends, like Isaiah shows us, in a joy that far outweighs our troubles. This is the joy that is ours this Christmas, a joy that cannot be shaken, a joy that transcends suffering, a joy that streams from the one lying in the manger. May we live in that joy this Christmas. To God be the glory. Let's bow together. Oh, Lord Jesus, we praise you for coming into our world and for bringing into our world, oh, Lord, this deep and abiding and unshakable joy that comes through redemption, the redemption that you have provided and secured through your own blood shed on the cross. Oh, Lord, may we as the redeemed live in this joy, this, this beautiful picture of Isaiah that, that that has this theme of joy woven throughout the whole thing. Lord, may we live in that joy. And I pray, O oh Lord, that throughout this day, as we open presents, as we share time and food with family and good fellowship, Lord, may all of these be but pale shadows of the greatest gift of all, the only gift that can bring true and lasting and abiding joy, the gift of Christ born for us, the gift of a Savior. Oh, Lord, may we bask in the joy of that gift today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.